0: Welcome to a world with limitless possibilities. A world where pain and suffering are matched only by the sounds of those who endure it. Welcome to your nightmare. Welcome to your nightmare. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Nightmare. Tonight's episode, I'm going to be narrating a tale called I Asked My Best Friend to Tell Me the Scariest Thing That Had Ever Happened to Him, written by Sapphire Lion 15 on Reddit No Sleep. Nate and I were at his parents' cabin in Ontario. To celebrate the start of summer, we both taken a week off of work and planned a four-day vacation of nothing but hiking, biking, canoeing, and enjoying a break from our hectic lives in the city. I honestly don't remember much of the vacation itself. It was a lot of fun, sure, but we did so much of the same stuff that it's all sort of a blur. Whenever I think of that trip, The only thing that I remember is the conversation. Probably because I want so desperately to forget it. We'd finished a simple but tasty dinner of hot dogs and potato chips. We both wanted beers, but we'd blown through what we'd brought with us. It was raining with occasional thunderclaps. I thought it was peaceful. We were sitting in front of a roaring fireplace, working through a pot of coffee. It was dark and fairly late, but neither of us felt like going to bed, probably because of the coffee. So we ended up talking. The first few minutes of our conversation were nothing noteworthy, just small talk. Somehow, and I have no idea how, the conversation turned to some weird animals we'd seen during the trip. Nate brought up how, while we'd been hiking the day before, a snake had slithered across the trail most likely startled by us. I had let out a very unmanly scream and jumped a foot in the air. I chuckled and explained that I was afraid of snakes because when I was nine, my brother's pet boa constrictor escaped its terrarium, made its way out of his bedroom and ate my pet hamster. My parents got rid of the boa and made my brother apologize to me, but I'd been afraid of the reptiles ever since. I said without exaggeration, that walking in on that creature swallowing my still kicking hamster was the scariest thing I ever saw. Nate looked sympathetic and handed me a cookie from the package we'd been snacking on. We were silent for a minute, listening to the rain and fire when I asked the question, What's the scariest thing that ever happened to you? Nate seemed to freeze. I wondered for a moment if he hadn't heard me. Then I noticed that his coffee cup was shaking violently. The thankfully lukewarm at that point coffee had spilled all over his hands and on top of the blanket in his lap. Nate? The sound of my voice brought him back to reality. He sucked in a quick breath and noticed that his hand and blanket were soaked in coffee. He frowned and got up, swearing at the spilled coffee. I'm sorry, I just... No, I'm sorry. I didn't know you'd, you know, freeze up like that. You don't have to tell me if you don't know. He was so blunt that it surprised me. He'd gotten rid of the ruined blanket. It was a cheap one anyway. Wiped off his hand and refilled his coffee cup. He came back and sat in his chair, facing me. We'd been friends for years, but I'd never seen him look so grave. It's been years since I thought of it, the scariest thing that ever happened to me. As much as I want to though, I'll never forget it. Do you want to talk about it? No. But I will. I need to. Just remember something for me. I'm not making this up. I couldn't if I tried. This isn't some campfire ghost story that happened to my brothers, friends, sisters, mailman or anything like that. I'm not making this up, okay?" I nodded. Despite his warnings, my interest had tripled. He sighed and took a long sip from his coffee. He turned and faced the fire. He didn't look at me once through the story. I asked questions and he answered every one, but he never turned away from the fire. I was seventeen and feeling like I was the king of the world i'd just pay for with my parents help a used but nice red pickup truck one of the prettiest girls in my school was my girlfriend i had just gotten a letter of acceptance to my dad's alma mater i thought things couldn't get better to celebrate my girlfriend sabrina and our friend aj and a lot of our friends threw a party i don't really remember it What is where I first heard about the old Raindrop Inn? The Raindrop Inn? Yeah, it was some old hotel back in the 1920s or 1930s. No one knew the full story, but rumor had it that the town founder had built the hotel for his wife. That it had been her dream to live in a hotel. On the opening night, however, the founder found his wife in their bedroom fooling around with a bellboy. She screamed when she saw her husband, and apparently threw herself off the balcony. The founder never set foot in the hotel again, and later sold it to the highest bidder. It was open for another 20 years, during that time 18 people died in it. Most of them committed suicide, jumping off the balcony just like the founder's wife A maid who saw one of them jump says that the guest screamed leave me alone into the bedroom before she jumped off the balcony. When the maid checked, there was no one in the bedroom. What about the other guests? The ones that didn't commit suicide? Only five of the dead guests didn't. I don't remember the other two, but there was a couple that were found tied together in a full bathtub fully clothed with a plugged in TV in there with them. The other was a 5 year old boy who just disappeared. His mother told the police that she'd tucked her son into bed and heard some terrible squealing noise after she shut the door. She described it as a sort of squeal of delight and it wasn't from her son. She ran back in and he was gone. No body, no blood, nothing. Apparently that was the last straw. The owner was sick of bad publicity and closed the place down. I learned all of this the night of that party. I didn't believe it and told the guys that they told a nice ghost story. They got defensive and told me to go see it for myself if I didn't believe them. Then they told me where to find it. Everyone knew that it was just inside the forest behind the high school. I laughed it off and we continued to party, but I kept that story in my mind. The next night, Sabrina was over at my house. We were trying to watch a movie, but my little brother Pete wouldn't leave us alone. He kept saying that it was his turn for the TV, that he was going to tell mom if we didn't hand over the remote. Do you have a little brother? I nodded. Then you probably know how I felt. I finally threw the remote down on the couch and went onto the porch with Sabrina. We were talking, she was suggesting we go to her house to watch a movie. I forgot what exactly we were talking about. Anyway, my mom walks out of the house and tells me that she needs to run out for a few hours. She was a vet in some butthole her words, not mine, had run over a dog. She told me I was in charge and asked Sabrina if she wanted to ride home. She said no, that we're going to finish our movie. Mom told me she'd be home by 1am and reminded me to watch Pete and left. I told Sabrina that if Pete was going to be a pain and hog the TV all night, then I didn't really want to stay home. It was a Friday night, not to mention the start of summer. I told her that we should do something exciting, something cool. She asked me what I wanted to do. At that point, it was 8 at night and a few places were closed. I thought for a second before I remembered the night before. I asked her if she had heard about the raindrop in. Surprisingly, she hadn't. I told her what the guys had told me the night before. She listened but asked when I was done why I brought it up. I told her that I wanted to go see it. She laughed at me. Very funny. I told her I was serious. If it was as close as the guys at the party had said, then we could be there and back before my mom got home. She was quiet for a second, then started to look excited. She'd always had a bit of fascination with urban legends. And I knew that it wouldn't take much convincing to get her to go to the old hotel. But then her face fell again. You have to watch your brother, remember? There's no way that he wouldn't tell your mom. I cursed under my breath. She was right. If Pete knew what we were doing, he'd want to come. The kid had read every Goosebumps book twice and loved scary stuff. If he came, he'd ruin the fun and if we left, he'd tell Mom. Then, I had an idea. When I was a kid, my dad got Pete and I into collecting those little Hot Wheels cars. I kept up my collection, even in my teens, and had about 300 by that night. Pete had less than half of that, and he was seriously jealous of my collection. I even caught him in my room once or twice, trying to steal the more impressive models. I told Sabrina that I knew what to do and went inside. Pete had turned the TV to one of those kids channels and got mad when I paused it. But he heard me out. I told him that I would give him 50 of the cars from my collection. His choice. If he didn't tell mom about Sabrina and I going out for a while. He agreed but asked where we were going. Just some place. Some friends at school told me about. He seemed suspicious, but nodded. He then turned back to the TV and pulled his favorite red baseball cap down to his eyebrows, signaling that the conversation was over. I went up to my room to grab a flashlight and a jacket. When I came downstairs, the TV was off and Pete was gone. I assumed that he'd gone to his room and went back to the porch. Sabrina was annoyed that I'd taken so long, but then smiled and said she wanted to go. I turned towards my truck and was halfway to the driveway. When Sabrina told me to turn around, I had left the front door open. I pulled my key from my pocket, shut the door and locked it, but I was confused. I was sure I'd locked the door on the way out the first time, hadn't I? I shook it off and went to the car with Sabrina. I was barely 5 minutes from our house to the high school. But we wasted ten driving around, looking for the old unkempt road that allegedly led to raindrop in. Finally, I parked my truck and we both got out. I turned on my flashlight and we walked around. Finally Sabrina spotted it. You wouldn't notice it from a distance, as a lot of grass had grown between the cracks. But there was a lot of really broken asphalt that made a trail leading into the woods. We looked at each other and grinned. We were about to start when I heard a sound like a car door slamming. We both turned to my truck. But there was nothing there. I remembered then that I hadn't locked it and pressed the button on the key fob. Sabrina more eager now than ever grabbed my upper arm and pulled me down the path. We walked for maybe 20 minutes before we found it. We both sort of froze when it came into view. I don't think either of us had completely believed that it was real, but there it was. It looked like it had once been nice. It was three stories tall. and must have been really well built if it was still standing after 70 years, 50 of them with no maintenance. Still, the age showed. But a building was being strangled by kudzu, with every window being broken or having no glass at all. The original color of the walls was impossible to guess, as the wind, rain, and time had turned them an earthy brown. The roof was missing multiple tiles. There were massive cracks in the walls and the front porch was sagging. To top it all off, we clearly had been the first people to visit the place. Graffiti written in neon orange spray paint had been sprayed on several blank spots on the walls. Keep out, run, stay away, danger, stuff like that was written wherever the artist could find space. We should have gone home right there and then. I was scared out of my mind, and judging by how tightly she was holding my hand, Sabrina was too. But we still wanted to go in. Maybe I was being stupid that night. Maybe I wanted to look tough in front of my girlfriend, I don't know. But we went in. The hotel was even creepier inside. At first glance, I thought it looked more like an old barn than an old hotel. Then as my eyes adjusted to the dark, I saw that yes, it had been a hotel. There was the front desk, covered in mouse turds. There was the lobby bell, so rusty that it would never ring again. The half-eaten couch, lopsided love seat, and upside-down chair had been the sitting area in the lobby. There was even a luggage cart, buried under so many dusty cobwebs that it looked like a sheer white curtain had been draped over it. From holes in the ceiling, moonlight illuminated the room. Well, this is inviting, Sabrina whispered. Are you scared? I whispered back, hoping she would say yes so that we could leave. No, she responded, still whispering. I knew she was lying. You don't bury your fingernails into someone's shoulder if you're relaxed. Are you scared? No, I lied. Why are we whispering? I don't know, she said, speaking normally. Do you want to try and go upstairs? I did not. What I wanted to do was get out of there, make a beeline for the truck, go home, and wrestle the TV remote from Pete. But I didn't want my girlfriend to think I was a wimp, so I tried to look brave and nodded. The stairs were in surprisingly good shape, considering the state of the rest of the hotel. We had to dodge cobwebs, which hung from the ceiling of the stairwell like party streamers. But we didn't have trouble getting to the next floor. That's when things got really creepy. The first thing we saw when we got to the hotel second floor was a lump in the middle of the floor. Sabrina glanced at me and I walked over to the lump. I only took one look before jumping back in disgust. The lump was a rabbit, or it had been. It was dead and I didn't have to be a doctor to see what had killed it. There was a hole in its chest the size of my fist. From the two-second glance I took, I could see that the rabbit's organs were all gone. There wasn't even blood. The rabbit was nothing more than literal skin and bones. I did not tell Sabrina this. I just said that the rabbit had been killed by something and that we should probably go. She was clearly freaked out by the rabbit, even if she didn't know how badly it was mutilated. We might have left right then if we hadn't heard something. Footsteps. We both froze and slowly turned to look at the door to the stairwell. Someone was coming up the stairs. I threw open the first door I saw. The lock was so old that it fell off when I opened the door. I sort of hugged Sabrina to me and pulled her into the room. I pulled the door as quietly as I could hoping that whatever was coming up the stairs hadn't hurt us in the hall. We both heard the door to the stairwell, we looked at each other, and both put fingers over our lips. I've never seen Sabrina's eyes so wide, and I have a feeling mine looked the same. We listened closely, as the thing that had walked up the stairs began to walk slowly down the hall. I heard it stop at what must have been the rabbit's corpse. At that point I realized that I heard a new noise. There were voices coming from the hallway. No, not the hallway. Those voices were coming from all over the floor. I wrapped my arms around Sabrina as we listened. From somewhere there came an inhuman squeal of delight followed by the scream of a small child. From a bathroom somewhere up the hall there was begging and screaming. Followed by a violent splash and the unmistakable sound of electricity. A woman screamed, Leave me alone. Followed by a window shattering and a distant heavy thud. My already hammering heart rate accelerated when I realized what I was listening to. I remembered the story from the party and how a child had disappeared. A couple had been electrocuted and a woman had jumped off a balcony. We just listened to those people die. Those sounds finally stopped, followed by what sounded like a sharp draw of breath from the hallway. I noticed then that the room was cold. Eerily cold. Especially for a night in late May. And it was quickly getting colder. Like... Like the source of chill was moving up the hall. There was a sudden scream. I was so rattled that I screamed, so did Sabrina. At that moment, instincts took over. I forgot about looking cool and just wanted to get out of there. I grabbed Sabrina's hand and charged through the door like a fullback. It was so cold that I actually knocked it off its hinges as I ran. I caught a glimpse of some shapeless white thing. I didn't look any longer than that and charged for the door to the stairwell. Considering how fast I was running, I'm amazed that neither of us hurt ourselves as we rocketed downstairs. Despite my panic, I noticed something in the lobby I hadn't before. There was a pile in the corner, a pile of limp, furry bodies. They all had holes in them. At that point, I didn't want to see anymore, still holding Sabrina's hand. I sprinted across the lobby, flew out the front door and tripped on the porch. We both landed face down on the forest floor. I didn't know or care if I was hurt. I immediately got up, clawing at the dirt to get friction. Sabrina was a few steps ahead of me, calling at me to keep running, to not look back. Screams were pouring from the hotel windows, screams of pain and terror. That was all the incentive I needed to up my pace. I ran so fast that night that I think I broke a few Olympic records. The second we saw the truck, we both jumped in. I twisted the key and stomped on the gas. My truck broke the speed limit three times as we made a break for my house. When the school was out of view, I slowed down and pulled over to the side of the road. We took a moment to catch our breath. Sabrina was crying. She'd been so scared. Honestly, I was too. Nothing in my life had prepared me for that. I wondered how close we'd come to disappearing or dying that night. We stayed in my truck for a while, trying to get a hold of ourselves and processing what happened. Finally, we both felt stable enough to go back to my house. At that point it was midnight and my mom would be home in an hour. I expected Pete to still be parked in front of the TV and I remembered that I still needed to give him the cars he wanted. At that moment, I was ready to give him the full collection. After that night, toy cars didn't seem important anymore. Sabrina went in first while I parked the car. I went in and saw she wasn't there. I heard her upstairs and went to make us a snack. I just pulled out the chips and salsa when I heard her run down the stairs. I turned around with the chip platter, smiling. She must have been hungry. Then I looked at her face. That's when I saw how scared she was. She looked me in the eyes and practically shouted, Where's your brother? Tears started streaming down his face. Pete had hidden in the back of my truck. He'd overheard what I said on the porch about the hotel and he'd gone with us. He opened the front door, he slammed my truck door, and he was making the footsteps we heard on the stairs, and he was the one who screamed. I, I left him there. For a few minutes, he was silent. I sat back stunned. I didn't know what to say. Finally he spoke again. A week later, I went back to that hotel. I don't know why, closure maybe. As I drove up, I saw it on the porch. I didn't want to see it. I didn't want it to be there, but it was. Pete's red baseball cap. He took a deep breath and finally looked at me again. And that is the scariest thing that ever happened to me. We didn't speak for the rest of the night. The fire was still blazing, and the rain was still hammering down, but it wasn't peaceful anymore. That is all for this episode of Nightmare. As always, I would like to thank everyone for joining me this evening for this tale. And if you haven't done so already, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. And follow us on Facebook or Instagram. And if you have any story suggestions, you can reach out to me at nightmarepod at gmail.com. And until next time, sleep well.